Hey everyone, Adam here. Well, this is a little embarrassing. Back in uh, 2013, we recorded an episode of You Haven't Seen with Derek and his wife Emily about the show Space Camp. This was to be our next release uh, somewhere around March, maybe late March, early April of 2013. It was a magical time. And uh, we kind of lost uh, a little motivation. I think I started grad school around that point. And um, well, what can I say? We kind of dropped the ball. So deep from the archives, we've got You Haven't Seen Space Camp. I hope you enjoy this one. And uh, I think we've got one more in the archives after this. So then we will resume our regularly scheduled and newly revived episodes of You Haven't Seen. So, what? so, Emily, it, it's apparent that you've never seen Galaxy Quest. Now you're going to tell me. No, I have seen Galaxy Quest. Oh, you have seen Galaxy Quest. So then, I have course, seen that before Derek. So then, of course, you've seen classics, classic sci-fi like Space Camp. No, absolutely not. What? what? You, you haven't, haven't seen, seen Space, Space Camp? Camp? You won't see me. Welcome to You Haven't Seen, the podcast where Adam, Derek, and Emily force each other to watch movies they should have seen a long time ago. All right, Emily, welcome. You've seen Thank Space you. Camp. You've, you've seen Space Camp now. I have. Woohoo! Tell us, what did you think? Um, well, let me first say that we started watching it with our four and six-year-old sons. And when we were about 10 minutes into it, I said, absolutely not. This has to stop. <laughs> there was some teenage angst that I didn't think was appropriate for the kids. There were some little like sexual innuendos and stuff at the beginning. I don't which, think they would have picked up on that. Yeah, but I did. Oh, well. <laughs> so I didn't want them watching it. And I think I heard the S word too. So it's possible. I, uh, yeah. So I sent them out. Okay. Um, so sans children, why don't you uh, <laughs> give us the, the PG 13 <laughs> plot summary? Um, well, it started with, the character. She's worse at this than I am. Aunt, what? Oh, that's bad news. Aunt, Andy, when she was a little girl and she really wanted to go up into space. And then we flash forward and see her later as an adult. Um, and she's an astronaut, but she's never gone up in space before. And that's played by. Kate Capshaw. Kate Capshaw, which Derek tells me was the blonde lady in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Willie Scott. Yep. She's also Mrs. Steven Spielberg. Okay. But she's got dark curly hair in this movie. Right. And in this movie, she's married to Tom Skerritt. Who Emily has a little crush on, apparently. From Top Gun. Yeah, you, um, you should call him... Um, oh, crap. What's his call sign? That's not Jester. Uh, it actually might be. No, Jester was uh, Michael Ironside. Oh. I don't know. I can't remember. Oh. Anyways, um, we had, continue. If only we had all of the information available to us. <laughs> anyway, I like I don't, feel like I don't feel like looking it up. Anyways, go ahead. Um, so anyway, so, he, so and he's also an astronaut. Um, Viper. 
Viper. Viper. There you go. I'm Viper. Um, so anyway, so it then it flash forwards to the future where they are they're married and they're both astronauts and they're going to be um, working at space camp for the summer where they would be the instructors. And then we see the kids that are that are coming to space camp for the summer. So there's um, the boy that comes in the jeep played by Tate Donovan, who I recognized as Joshua from Friends that Rachel um, dated. Um, and I really, I shouldn't know his name in the movie, but I can't remember it. Kevin Donaldson. Kevin, thank you. Um, and we see him come and he's in a Jeep and he's all cocky and listening to loud music and stuff. And you can tell that he didn't really want to be there. He just kind of was going um, there. And then... I think that's because he actually told us that. He said, I don't yeah, want to be he here. You're right. He did say that. Um, so we have him and then we have. Just so you know, this isn't like, you know, recap the entire movie. For, oh. This is just a general synopsis. You don't have to like reenact the movie. So, I'm just we, saying who the characters are. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get a scene by scene blow on this. We, we, we could either assume that people have seen this movie or that they stopped and they went to go see this movie before <laughs> listening to the podcast. So. <laughs> then there's Tish. Played by Kelly Preston. Um, this is John Travolta. And she's kind of like a, I don't know, I, I thought she was kind of like a valley girl kind of kind of goofy kid um, who seems very out of place there. But then you come to learn that she's got a photographic memory and she's really smart. And she's always chewing gum. Um, then there's Leah Thompson, who pilots a plane with her dad in it to arrive at space camp. So right away, you know that she's really excited about being there um, and that she really feels strongly about becoming a pilot and being active in the astronaut program. program. And then that's Catherine, by the way, you're going through all the Catherine, character names. And, Catherine. Um, and then we see Leaf Phoenix. Max. AKA. AKA Joaquin. Joaquin. Joaquin Phoenix, um, and he's Max, and he's he's younger. He's like a little kid compared to the other ones that are all teenagers. And then the other main guy, why can't I remember his name? Rudy. Rudy, um, and then there's Rudy as well. So those are the the main Rudy, players. Rudy as well. You mean Larry B. Scott from? No, I don't recognize him at all. Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, okay. Now I do recognize him. I have seen that. Eighties royalty. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, no, on 16. So, no, on 16. I don't know what that is. So apparently, <laughs> you haven't seen Revenge of the <laughs> Not recently. Um, you forgot the most I, important character, by the way. Uh, Jinx. 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 Then there's Jinx, a robot. Okay. Um, anyway. Played by like Jinx. Played by Jinx. I, I felt like it was two distinct, distinctly different movies. There was the beginning part of the movie before they went off into space, and then the part when they were up in space. Well, you just ruined it without going through the rest of the plot summary. Because <laughs> you guys told me to stop. <laughs> no, just speed it up. <laughs> so, okay. So Kevin has a crush on Catherine, and he gets her to go out with him, and they get caught. So that's pretty big. Um, and all the training stuff, Catherine wants to be the, um, shuttle commander, but she 
she gets placed as pilot by Andy. And Andy sees shades of herself in Catherine, and which is why she's really hard on her and pushes her really. So anyway, so, so Andy pushes Catherine really hard because Andy sees herself in Catherine and wants her to be really successful. And so she's pushing her harder than anyone else. Um, and then you've got Max, who he's been to space camp two years before. And so now he um, really wants to be able to, to be there with the big kids. And I'm just paid. And then you see the relationship with him and Jinx, the robot that was, I can't remember how much money did they say that thing was worth? Okay. So lot, lot, lots of million, lots of millions of dollars. Um, and I, and I thought it was always interesting that no one was looking for Jinx. You know, Max has him hidden in the, we'll, the we'll cabinet. The, we'll get into the plot holes later. Uh, they also no. They also uh, let me defend the movie here. They also established that he is sometimes there and sometimes at Kennedy, right? Sometimes at camp and sometimes across the road at the Kennedy Space Center. Yes. But that's my point. Is like sometimes he's at either place, so no one knows where they're supposed to be. But we'll go. We'll go through the plot holes. But continue. All right. So anyway, so but but Max and Jinx are are really close, and Max is looks out for Jinx and he's formed kind of a bond with this, this robot. Um, and Max has a, an affinity for star Wars as well. And he's always talking about the force and all of those guys from, from star Wars as well. Yes, those guys, those guys, <laughs> which actually comes into play later. So it actually makes sense that you, you pick up on the fact that he is a big star Wars fan. Yes. Yes. Okay. Is there anything else you want me to tell you? <laughs> Would you like to tell us how the movie turns out? Or? So, what, um, so what happened? <laughs> how the second part of the movie came about? Oh, the second part of the movie. So they they go and they're just supposed to feel, go into the shuttle to see what it feels like just when the engine, when an engine's burning. So they get kind of like the simulation. But because of the fact that Max has said that he really wants to go up into space and Jinx heard him say that Jinx, the robot um, decides that he's going to figure out how to get Max to go up in space. And so he goes to the NASA computers and he says, how do I get Max in space? And, and so they said, well, if they have the, um, the failure on the, the one engine, then it's going to have to, the, their options is it would either blow up or they had to light the other one and then they would go up in space. And so that's what happens. Um, and they go up in space. And then they figure out that first thing they, they realize is that they, they don't have radio contact with NASA because of the fact that they only had um, uh, short, like short range radios just because they were not supposed to go up in space. So they had no contact with NASA. Um, and then they realized that they were not going to have enough oxygen to make it back for their window to get back to earth. And so we go through that process of trying to figure out you're laughing because I'm talking too much. <laughs> There's the laughing happening. Continue. <laughs> no one was laughing at all. I can see your faces. <laughs> so anyway, um, they, there's this whole then process about, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to um, get enough oxygen? And then they remember that, or Andy remembers that there's a space station and you see the people in NASA hoping that they re remember that there's a space station to go and get um, oxygen from there. So they go there to get the oxygen. 
Um, and Andy goes out to get it. And there's, you know, all the, the nuances of the relationships of the, of the kids and trying to, you know, figure things out and how they're going to make it back without stressing out. And the oxygen level, as I kept telling Derek, as we were watching it was, wait a minute, how is the oxygen level going away so quickly? Cause I didn't think that it was supposed to go that quickly. Um, and there was a part then when Andy's out there, but she can't reach the, um, the oxygen. And so Max puts on the gear to go out and, um, and get the action because he's littler and he can fit. And so they use Tish's belt, which somehow miraculously ends up to be super duper long to wrap around him to squish the uniform down so that he can go out there. Um, so they go out there and get it. And then as they come back, um, there's confusion over which wire that, that it gets hooked up into the oxygen. And Rudy is saying that it's one wire and then, but that wire didn't exist. And then he's like, no, no, it's this one. And then Catherine comes over and she's like, no, it's this. And hers was the wrong thing. And Rudy was saying, no, no, you got to believe me and everything. And all under pressure, Catherine, you know, was saying the wrong thing. And luckily they didn't listen to her and they went with what Rudy said and got the right thing. Um, but then as they were coming back, the, they got the oxygen, they got it all hooked up. And then as they were getting back in, NASA saw that they had the oxygen. So they were taking over control of the, the shuttle. And so they put them on autopilot and they started closing the bay doors and Andy had gotten hit and she was outside. And then there was all that trying to get them back, her back in. And then how are they going to get home if they missed their window? And Catherine was saying to just go and continue closing the, the, the bay doors and, and go back. And Kevin said, no, he was being, he was shuttle commander. And he said, no, we need to get her back inside. So they got her back inside and lost the window. But then they realized that there was another spot that they could land in and Meanwhile, Tish is trying to do Morse code to contact NASA. Um, and then they finally realized that she was contacting them and they were communicating that way. And then they made it back. <laughs> I don't know if you understand the word summary and what it means. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, in her defense, I feel like I did just watch the movie over again. <laughs> And I didn't even take notes. She was very thorough. Very, very thorough. Did she has I, never listened to a now playing podcast, obviously. You did you know, a wonderful job, Emily. Nice work. <laughs> Just to be clear, she had never listened to a podcast of mine no. until Friday. Oh. And that's my and I fast forwarded through a lot of it. You just wanted to hear yourself. No, I was listening to see what you guys were saying. And then I was listening to the fact that Derek was saying, it was a solid movie. It was really great. And then he was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yes, this is how a review yeah. goes. Is I'd that say there's, you like certain parts and then don't like other parts. Nuance and subtlety, I think, are the words that I would use there. Is that You can <laughs> like the whole without liking the bits and pieces. Anyways. Uh, anyways. So let's talk about the movie. Do you want to start with the cast? We, we went over that a little bit. Sure. All right. I'd so, like to start with Leah Thompson. That's I know you I'd would. Like I know. Right that's, there. that's where I was going. Woo-woo. So wow. Lorraine Baines McFly herself, Leah Thompson, <laughs> uh, was, was the star. Talk about Leah Thompson in the 80s, Derek. Well, Leah Thompson in the 80s. I cannot tell you how many times I watched Howard the Duck as a young man. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just love that. 
Was she in that? Beverly Switzer? The Rockstar? <laughs> she was beautiful in Howard the Duck. She was also in her underwear, as I recall. She was. I was just about to say. She spent wow. a lot of time in her underwear in that movie. So. Wow. So, and she found love in a duck. So it was very strange. Very, I don't remember that movie. I know also, I saw it. But... She was also in Red Dawn, a little movie you might have seen, Emily. I don't know that. I don't know that she had any lines in that movie, though. Really? Um, she and Jennifer um, Grey spent a lot of time just hugging each other. That's true. One of my favorite movies that she was in from the '80s, some kind of wonderful. Yep, yep. With Never Eric Stoltz. Never saw it. And Mary Stuart Masterson. Well, another good from the '80s. <laughs> no, we're not going to watch that one. I can tell you that right now. It's a good movie. Yeah, you said that about the John, a lot of the John Hughes movies. movie. You should like it. Emily, when you start your own podcast, when you do the spinoff, that'll be the first one that you can choose. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, she was also Caroline. In the, I was a big Caroline in the City fan back in the day. Yeah, you may have been the only one. Somehow, miraculously, that show lasted, what, like six seasons? I, I watched that she, show, too. It was on for a long time. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, five seasons, five, six seasons. She played herself um, in a uh, on Friends as well. I'm, well. Not herself, but she played that character on Friends a couple times. That whole, yeah, they used to have that that whole like going through. Remember, like Mad About You and all those. Right, and if you remember, uh, they they did one where all the shows there was a blackout. Chandler was stuck in the ATM vestibule at Jill Goodacre, and they had the blackout cover all the TGIF shows. So it was that, and it was Friends, and it was Mad About You, and. Um, they had a lot of crossovers, like Mad About You and Seinfeld had a crossover where Kramer was actually subletting um, Paul's apartment. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. Hmm. What, were you, what were you doing? Not watching TV? Apparently. Over and over? Apparently. Oh, it's a lot cooler than I am, you have to remember. So, <clears throat> so, so Leah Thompson, let's, Thompson, let's go back and let's discuss Leah Thompson. I mean, this is the ultimate, you know, girl of the 80s right here. You think so? Oh, Kidding? She's beautiful, just beautiful. So, Rubicheck, back me up on this one. I'm big Leah Thompson fan. Okay. Big, big fan. Um, she kind of disappeared as time went on, but that's okay. Um, I think she married the director of. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. She married director Howard Deutsch, and uh, I think they had a bunch of kids. So she's. They did. And one of one of them is an actress on Ringer. A, Recently canceled show on the WB, I believe. Can't say. Can't mm-hmm. say I picked that one up. Yeah, it's got Buffy on it, so I watched it for a while. It's pretty terrible. I think Kelly Preston is much better in this uh, in this in this movie, though. Kelly Preston. Well, yeah. Th- here's an '80s star that I don't really remember her having been in anything. Um, I she's most famous for being married to to uh, Travolta, but yeah. what what is her what does her resume look like? I, I didn't even know she was an actress. Like, I knew she was married to John Travolta, but I didn't know, like, anything she had been in, nothing to recognize her or anything. Uh, I recognized her from, I remember her being in Jerry Maguire. As uh, one of uh, the exes, right? Yeah. But for, like, that, 10 seconds. Yeah, I mean, she's very, yeah, she's, but I just remember, like, I was like, oh, there's Kelly Preston. Like, I was surprised. Um She's also in uh, a movie that uh, we have yet to discuss here on now Pl- or on uh, sorry <laughs> on uh, you haven't seen, which is uh, Jack Frost. Hmm. Oh, she was in Twins. I did see that. I saw her in that. Okay, yeah, Twins. 
I just, go back to Jack Frost because we still haven't watched that one yet. Uh, and Frost, we're going, we're going right, we're going right past it. Right past it. Right she was the mom on Jack Frost. That's, so yeah, that's great. Uh, but I feel like here, here's someone along with uh, our next star, Kate Capshaw, that whose career was just getting started as she had her famous, uh, famous, you know, star-studded marriage and kind of um, left left the uh, the the big uh, Hollywood scene to to start her family. Did she have? Did Kate Capshaw ever have any of her own kids, or did they just adopt a bunch of kids? I think they just adopted. Okay. But just, uh, yeah, Kate Capshaw. I like didn't we even said, recognize her. Those are really the only two movies that she's ever been in uh, of any note. Well, she it, looks so different though between the two of them. Well, she wasn't covered in bugs. <laughs> well, but she was blonde in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And she wasn't nearly as annoying. In and in this movie, she was dark haired, dark curly haired. There was a lot less screaming and a lot more southern accent for certain portions of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> can we get can we get to Emily's favorite actor in the entire movie? And I, I'm gonna just bump ahead here real quick. Uh, and that is Jinx. Terry O'Quinn. That's the only person that she continued to fixate on. Well, because he looked nothing like himself that I know him it from. Was 30 years ago, just to be clear. But his voice was exactly the same. It was so weird. So, so you're, a big, you're a big Terry O'Quinn fan? Is that what you're telling us? No, I only know him from Lost. Okay. So I don't, oh, did we lose Adam? I didn't, yeah. It's, it's a show that was on. <laughs> but... Terry O'Quinn, no, I mean, really, I only know Terry O'Quinn from Lust. Okay. And so he's an old, bald guy. He was the... So uh, to see him in this movie... He was the flight director? I didn't know him. He was the flight director? Um, yes. Okay. I don't know you. Terry O'Quinn is uh, John Locke on the uh, show Lost. He is also on one of Adam's favorite shows. I'm surprised he hasn't mentioned it yet. He was on one of my favorite shows? He was on The West Wing, man. Oh. I Which know. I just started watching. Okay. Oh, is he like a... Uh, He's one of the generals. General, yeah. He he was actually on... the Where I know him from was uh, Earth 2. Oh, really? Yeah. You and he three was, other uh, people that watched that show. That's what I'm saying. He was uh, he was one of the bad guys back on Earth. Yeah. So he looks huh. pretty much like he did. Because that was, uh, what, 1994? So yeah. he, he didn't look too dissimilar from uh, from this. From this movie? Yeah. He plays a really good bad guy. That's what I remember about mm-hmm. it. I mean, he, he's really good. So seeing him as a good guy in here was very strange. I don't know. Seeing him young was strange for me. Right. Yeah. Emily kept telling me that he had hair. Like, I didn't notice. So. Most people start out with hair. <laughs> well, or some people start out with that without hair, and then they get hair. And then get hair, and then they lose it again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Circle of life. <laughs> Watch that movie. Uh, no, the, the, the most important star that we need to talk about here is uh is joaquin jinx? phoenix himself no, not jinx but leaf slash joaquin phoenix um just the 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 ultimate child star here um this is this was a star making role so if you didn't know i mean just looking at him emily would you know that was joaquin phoenix no i mean it's amazing <laughs> In the movie? No. Yeah, no, not at all. But I mean, he definitely has some star power. He's a little annoying, but I think that's a function a of the kid. script more than uh, more than his acting. I think he did he did what he needed to with his part. He was a little intense. Um, mm-hmm. 
that he was playing off a remote control car for most of the movie was probably a little difficult for a 12 year old. That is true. But yeah, now Joaquin is in my favorite movie, one of my favorite movies, which is Signs. Oh, I was going to say Walk the Line. I really like that. That's pretty good, too. There you say Gladiator. <laughs> I like that. I never saw that. What? What? <laughs> you haven't seen Gladiator. <laughs> We can do this with Emily all night all long. Day long. <laughs> uh, but needless to say, we've got a star-studded cast here. Like this is '80s. I, I have '80s royalty written in my notes here. Really? I mean, the, these are, you know, I would say second, second, so. second tier down from the Brad Pack. But these are, yeah, you know, okay. '80s names. Um, but you know, most importantly, on top of all these stars, they score John Williams to do the music. Yeah, that was weird. When and I saw his name on there, I had totally forgotten. I was like, oh my god, really? Quite possibly the lamest John Williams score of all time. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's like he's just phoning it in. Yeah. You know what? And here's the thing. The music, I don't even remember any of the music from the movie. So obviously it didn't like speak to me. But, and that's, that's what I always say is either a score is great, it's terrible, or it's invisible. Um, this one was definitely invisible, which for John yeah. is is unbelievable. Well, one of the things that really got me about the movie that I kept talking about, too, was, you know, the fact that they were smoking all the time at NASA, mm-hmm. which is, you know, so classic from the 80s to see them just, you know, sitting there smoking while they're working. Um, well, I think they're also trying to capture that picture of mission control from Apollo era when you have all this documentary footage mm-hmm. and it was coffee and cigarettes just 24 right. hours a day. Right. So I'd imagine what, that's what they're going for. What I think is also pretty indicative of the fact that it's an 80s movie. And I, you know, we've had this conversation before with cartoons, which is they just treat you like when you're a kid, like you're just the dumbest person in the entire universe. Like everything is pretty much spelled out for you just in case you didn't get it. And, and I think that was 80s cartoons, 80s movies, just they assumed kids were dumb. Yeah, it, it's just, it was pretty awful. Like, you're like, yeah, you don't need to tell me that that's how you feel. Like, I get it. <laughs> Clearly, that would be how you would feel. But Can it you was, give me an example? I'm trying to figure out what you're talking about. Uh, just when they, when they catch the two of them out on the date. And the, she's like, oh, you know, this is how I, this is how I would feel. And then I see a lot of myself know, in you, that whole exa- speech. Like, yeah, that whole right? speech. You didn't right figure after. that out, right? Oh, I thought that was pretty powerful to hear. What bothered me more was the way that Kevin treated Max when he got back there. Yeah, he was a big yelling jerk. at him. But he was a big jerk. He started I out as a big jerk. Yelling at that poor jerk. kid. Sure, uh, that drove me crazy. Yeah, but I mean that was also assuming that we're dumb, and that let's spell it out. Let's okay. Uh, Kevin's a jerk. He doesn't want to be there. He's going to take it out on everybody. Um, he's still taking it on everybody. And then Max is the kid that gets picked on. Okay. At every turn he's getting insulted and picked on because he speaks as if he's in star Wars, uh, yeah. without ever having a conversation with anyone that doesn't revolve around star Wars. So despite, so, despite this, uh, so maybe, maybe all-star, maybe royalty cast is not the way to put it, but this is definitely a major league cast from the eighties. Um, movie was a bomb, big bomb. Well, the movie comes out in 86. Uh, 1986. What happened yeah, then, that was, Eric? That was a bad time to come out with a movie. So the shuttle, shuttle. Yeah, what, what, when did that, is that January? January of 86. Challenge. We were in sixth grade. 
Sixth grade. Yeah. First grade. Sixth grade. First Sixth grade. Sixth grade. First grade. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. <laughs> oh, I keep forgetting you guys are old. I was in library. I remember hearing about it. I, from we were watching it on TV. Yeah, I we went into the library to watch it. Yeah. We watched it. Yeah, so, sixth grade. So the Challenger explodes after filming is completed, after primary, uh, after after it's ready to Principal go, basically. Yeah. And they delayed it for a couple months, and they put it out, and apparently the only people to see this in the theater were the uh, Rubichucks and the Swiss Tacks. Yep, that's about right. Because I got to tell you, I, even as a kid, I realized how empty the theater was. I was like, "Oh, there's no one here, Dad." <laughs> like the only time we, the only time the Swiss Tacks ever went to the movies, by the way, was when there was a big, big time movie like that we needed to see. And uh, this movie had a domestic box office of ten million dollars, which even in 1986 dollars is pathetic. Yeah. So wait, this movie was released just a few months after. Five months. Uh- Really? June of 86. I mean, you cannot... I, they would never do that now. I no. feel like they would... Well, they even would that, just... that Gangster Squad movie um, had the shooting in the theater, and they delayed that by six months, and they heavily edited the scene. I still haven't seen the movie, but... Uh, what movie? Gangster Squad. Is what, it just came out with... Um, we went Ryan to... Gosling. Ryan Gosling, thank you. All right, so anyways, Ryan Gosling um, was in the Gangster Squad movie. And uh, that was right after it was supposed to come out like at the exact same time as Dark Knight Rises, which had the terrible shooting in Aurora, Colorado. And so mm-hmm. th- there was a scene in this movie where the gangsters shoot up a movie theater. And so um, they delayed it and they heavily edited it to take out uh, a bunch of that scene. Really? Uh, so this is something I think that's keeps happening over and over and over again. And I, I, Hollywood just doesn't know how to respond. Yeah, I have a feeling that they wouldn't have released this movie I mean, if at all, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have released it. Just they would. Nowadays, they would probably would have let it sit for a couple of years. It's a huge investment, though. I mean, they spent getting the access to the simulators and everything. I feel like it would have been a lot of money um, that they had invested in this movie. Ah. Kind of had to put it out. Um, so, anyways, so big box office bomb. Just doesn't make any money. Came out at the wrong time. Um, so all our hopes for Space Camp Two. Go down the drain, and uh, Were the I don't Rubitux even remember as big of fans as the Swiss Act because the Swiss Act children could not have been bigger fans of this movie. I, of course, I loved it, and uh, I can. Is this a good time to share my Space Camp recollections with you? Well, no, because then I'm just going to be jealous. That's all. So when I went to Space Camp the first time, the first time I went twice. <laughs> uh, first time was summer between I'll say seventh and eighth grade. And uh, my first time being away from, like, all of my family for an extended period of time. So, like, with my parents, they went out of town a couple times, stayed with my aunts or something like that. But um, this is the first time, like, I never went to camp. So this is my first time away. They dropped me off, and basically they put you in a big room, and they had a bunch of TVs showing the movie Space Camp. And you just had to wait for a couple hours until they were ready for you. So they had a bunch of really awkward, nerdy preteens standing around just staring at this movie. Everyone remembers it from when they're a kid and like, well, is it really going to be like that? Um, so that was, so even more than seeing it in the theater, that's the space camp experience that sticks out in my head. Uh, was everyone just that, that was really our only view of, of space camp. How, how long is, is space camp? Like when you went, how long do you go for a week, a week, a week? Yeah. And, uh, 
So so I can I can debug and or, or debunk some of the so some of the space camp things and I can confirm others. I, I've got my little list here. Just to be clear, as a child, I would have murdered someone to go to space camp. Yeah. Really? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, that was that would have been. There's really not much that would have stopped me from trying to go. So, this this is hurtful to me. But go ahead. Okay. Well, you should have had a bar mitzvah because I used bar mitzvah money the first time. <laughs> and then when I returned, um, I believe I like the Pope it was, would not have approved of that. Just yeah, to be clear. <laughs> I believe it was two summers later. I went back and. Um, that was all lawn mowing money. So that was about three summers of, of mowing the lawn, of mowing lawns. So, um, uh, how much fun, how much, how much stuff did you take from your brother for saving up all that money and then wasting it on space can? That was pretty bad. Actually, I think he was secretly jealous because he did not make fun of me as much as he usually did. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it was like when I was launching model rockets, he started making fun, but then he wanted to come out and watch me launch them. So, <laughs> There was level. There was levels, like like a Star Trek convention. Yeah, I heard about that for the rest of my life. But th- I think this is something that he would have liked to do had he um, had even offered the opportunity. But he wasn't going to voluntarily do it. Gotcha. So the second time around, pretty good, or? Yeah. So the second time. So all right, let's back up. So um, space camp was for I think like twelve and under, thirteen and under, something like that. Um, then you had Space Academy was for early high school, and Space Academy 2 was for late high school. So all of these... Did you just say Police Academy? Oh, Space Academy. Oh. So after Space Camp was Space Academy. Okay. And so in the movie, you have you know Kevin driving up in his car. By the way, right. whose dad forces them to go to Space Camp and buys them an expensive Jeep? Right. That's odd. Um, and then... Who's rebellious by listening to Eric Clapton in 1980s? I felt like I was pretty rebellious listening to Eric Clapton. I can see like 1960s listening to Eric Clapton that you're you're making a statement, but I just think it was because it was so loud. It was very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so all those they would have been definitely Space Academy two, but they just called it camp, and then they told Max that he should go back to junior camp, which would have been the camp that I went to. Okay. Um. The fact that Andy as an astronaut was working at the camp was actually true. When I went to camp in Florida, there were real astronauts around, um, I think, as part of a goodwill sort of thing. They got assigned. They were not like the counselors, though. Um, they were you know, manning some of the, the stations that you could go, and they were answering questions and or the demonstration of like the engines or the heat tiles or whatever it was. Um, they were the experts on that. But the counselors were just uh, basically college kids. So having an actual, and were they not were they people who had gone through space camp before or space I academy think, before? I think so. I'm trying to remember. Um, one of my counselors, his dad was uh, a mission control guy, so I think he had grown up around the Cape. I don't know if he had gone to camp, but he was, I guess, a NASA brat. Um, he had been he had been around for for a while, so he knew he knew pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so space the original camp was in Huntsville, Alabama. They had it in Florida. That one didn't open up till many years later. But um, So in Huntsville, there wouldn't have been any space shuttle. So I was very confused when the movie came out because I had read all about Space Camp and I knew that it was in Alabama. And why would they have a space shuttle in Alabama? 
So I, I didn't didn't quite pick up on that. So that was a little inconsistency there. Did uh, did any of the girls look like Leah Thompson that were at Space Camp? No. <laughs> Just want to be clear on that. That's all. Uh, although I did did end up with a couple of pen pals from Space Camp. Uh, a couple <laughs> of girls wanted to write me letters, so could dig some of those up for you if you want. <laughs> and did you have the dormitory style rooms? There was actually. Yeah. Um, it was big, just big rooms with bunk beds, and yeah, it was kind of cheesy. They made it look like it was sort of space stationy, outer space. And if you got sick, they sent you to the sick bay. And uh, wow. remember, they had big thing of Wheaties for breakfast every morning. So I ate my Wheaties because I wanted to be <laughs> strong to be an astronaut. Was uh, Dr. Crusher there in the Dr. sick Crusher, bay? Or? She was not in the sick bay. Hmm, that's sad. Um, but it was uh. You know, a lot of this stuff was pretty spot on as to what you do. You got assigned a role. Um, so the first time I went, I was the flight director, which I was very upset that I didn't get to be on the shuttle. But they explained, well, that's better than the flight commander because you're in charge of everybody. But I really wanted to be on the space shuttle. So the second time I went, I got to be the commander. Ooh. So I, I said, I said, I do not want to be in mission control. And uh, so that was it was pretty realistic that they sort of assigned you roles. Mm-hmm. I have my jumpsuit somewhere, my my powder blue jumpsuit, and they wow. they clear that in camp you got the powder blue. If you're an actual astronaut, you had a royal blue jumpsuit, so it was different. I feel like if you took a picture of yourself in that powder blue jumpsuit right now, that we would have we would go from like ten listeners to like twenty five. I'll remind you that the summer <laughs> between sixth and seventh grade, I grew. <laughs> about five inches and lost about 30 pounds. So the dimensions of me wearing that jumpsuit are very different than the dimensions of me now. Just put it on Ellie. That would be adorable. Um, what, what else can I say? Oh, so most notably, one of the key plot points was the flat spin in the multi-axis trainer. The multi-axis trainer did exist. Nearly... Mm-hmm as a demonstration there was no control stick and we asked about that because we all remembered from the movie that Catherine had to get out of the flat spin and mm-hmm. they, said, they determined in the mercury era that if you're in a flat spin you're toast and there was no way to get out of it you were moving too fast and you couldn't react it did seem ridiculous that you could possibly get out of that of like a three or four axis spin it, yeah yeah that much momentum go i mean that is just crazy talk so um, I know that when I played Astronaut on the Apple IIe, that if you entered into a spin like that, then you were you were done. That was it. I don't know if the Apple IIe could have handled rotation in two different dimensions. That was... <laughs> they told you you were in it. They right. didn't show it. <laughs> um, so other so other than that, um, I gotta say the first as you say the first half of the movie was pretty realistic as far as what the experiences were. Hmm. Now the so second for, for the boring half of the movie right. was, no, it was much... the first half of the movie? The first half of the movie was just a bunch of teen angst, I felt like. Well, it was supposed to be like a summer camp movie. Um, oh, really? Different kids, sure. All the different kids coming together and the relationships that develop. And oh, okay. It was very clearly a summer camp movie just where they went to outer space, space camp, had to okay. work together. and um, As a team. Sure. Um, but... At what point in time was it realistic that you would let a bunch of teenagers on the most advanced flying machine in the world 
<laughs> just to sit there while you light the most powerful rocket engines in the world on fire. I felt like See. I felt like the part where they got to go on the space shuttle was not unrealistic, but the part where they, they were got lighting to go it. On it while they were lighting it off, yeah, a little crazy. Yeah. Um. What 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 are some other? You pointed out a plot hole earlier. What was it? What just the oh the why jinx. I just had mentioned Jinx being in the cabinet. Oh the the super sentient Jinx as you mentioned. Um. You know, just kind of noodling around, and Max was able to take him and put him in his closet. Yeah. Uh, not to not you know not even to mention that this is technology that doesn't even exist here in 2013, let alone in 1985. Um, but that the the most advanced robot on the planet would be allowed to get put in some kid's closet. Right. Right. Well, and the fact that you know, a robot would have feelings like that saying, oh, I must get Max in space. And how can I get Max in space? I mean, you have to suspend a lot of, you know, belief there. I don't think you have to suspend as much if you're 12. Right. That's true. I mean, I definitely felt like, okay, a robot could be like that. You know, like that, that's the kind of robot I want. If anyone's going to have it, NASA would have it. That's that's for sure. But so here's a robot that gets overloaded by what, like 10 people giving him conflicting directions. Uh, yeah, that was so sad. Yet, yet he can converse with the NASA mainframe computer in verbal language. They were talking to each other. That seems kind of inefficient. <laughs> but also, when he did short out, twelve-year-old um, kid was able to use a screwdriver and fix him. Fix him. <laughs> Think, yo, Jinx. Yo, Jinx. <laughs> oh, Max. <laughs> Yeah. I took that as he reprogrammed him and made him better. I take that also, but I even even though he is uh Joaquin Phoenix, I don't know that <laughs> the kid would have had that sort of technological know how. So as a first grade kid, was this pretty amazing to, to see for a second grade kid? Oh yeah, absolutely. This was awesome. Yeah. This was beyond awesome. Uh yes. Because even, I mean, even in my advanced age, I thought that it was pretty amazing. So let's get to when they're in space. They were kind of weightless at one point. Some people were upside down as they were experiencing weightlessness, and then kind of they were all right side up, just standing on the floor. <laughs> and their arms were sort of floating out in front of them, and they moved in slow motion. So apparently, weightlessness is just slow motion. Because not only did their hands move in slow motion. But they also yelled in slow motion. Andy. <laughs> this space makes you do everything slower. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Like, See, but I didn't even really notice that part. <laughs> oh, you were so engrossed in the movie. I was. I feel like even in 1985, the special effects were at such a point where they could have made a slightly more realistic zero-G environment. Um, maybe it was there, they were, uh, directing a bunch of, a bunch of newbie kids, but it was bad. It was really bad. Well, the part when Andy was outside of the shuttle and going over to the space station, you know, she was like, that just seemed like so weird to me too. You know, well, first of all, how did they even dock on the space station? But whatever. No, they just pulled up next to it. They just pulled up next to it. How did they they stop? Well, no. 
so orbital mechanics are such that you just arrive at the same orbit by speeding up or slowing down. And so they knew where it was, and so they mission control so they needed to speed up so they could rendezvous with the space station. And so then they were orbiting at the same velocity. So that's why Andy had to take the MMU out and fly over to it. Right. Well, okay. So, but then the part when she gets like hit and then she's like flying away, she got so far. Like the perspective was a little bit off. Emily also never took a physics class, so she didn't really understand how Newton's laws work. Uh, I do remember, though, you saying there's no way, if she was that far away, they'd never be able to get her back. Yeah, it is pretty ridiculous that she was able to go, like, I mean, they show uh, when, I think it was when Max is going to get her. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, they, the perspective that they give you and how far she's going, they're, they're not going to get her. It was the and same when, them all back. It was the same when Max was trying to pull her in. Sometimes he was pulling on the rope. Sometimes he was just holding it. Sometimes he was right up against the, the doors of the cargo bay, and sometimes he was all the way in the back. They were really fat, playing it fast and loose with that perspective. Um, yeah, it was, it was very strange to watch, so... You know, and as a kid, I guess you don't really care. Like you don't know or you don't care. Like yeah. you're just like, okay, I'm just going along with the ride here. Well, it's add, it's adding tension. It's just I think there's only a set amount of footage that was filmed, and they had to draw it out a little bit. So I don't know if that's poor directing or if it's lack of uh, special effects budget or um, poor editing. But yeah, to a to a keen eye, this was this was very poorly done. Well, and I just felt like, though, too, even though she was kind of floating out there, you knew that they were going to get her and they were going to bring her back and she'd be okay. Sure. Yeah. Because you is... knew it had to have a happy ending. Oh, well, it's a kid's movie. Right. Um, yeah, she's not, she's not going to die. But right. as a, again, as a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old, I had no idea. I mean, I still was a little tense watching it. In, in your advanced age now? Yeah, my advanced age. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, the, the uh, so where did they get all of the, do you have any idea where they got all the special effects, the space shuttle footage? I mean, is that just I mean, that archival all, footage? So it was all stock footage of the launch and the, and the external tank separations and all that stuff. Um, lo, it was it was a lot of stock footage. And then I know for the some of the interiors, they had access to the Atlantis simulator and then they had also built um, their own simulator for some portions. Hmm. So I think for the very technical stuff, they they um, they did close-ups in in the actual simulator. But then for some of the more general stuff, they they built their own. So this had to be uh, crazy expensive to to make this movie. Yeah, I mean partly, but I think also this was a big advertisement for NASA um, that was just having its resurgence uh, post-Apollo, where it had huge cuts, and now the shuttle's back, and it's, you know, they're, they're basically they're driving a big semi-truck to, to space, and it's successful, and, you know, it seemed, seemed routine, and everything was all systems go. So I think uh, NASA was out there to, to, to get some more excitement, and um, unfortunately, it, as they're doing this, they... We're playing it a little fast and loose with uh, safety regulations. And that's how what led to the Challenger accident. 
Right. Does space camp still exist now? It does. I actually applied for a teacher to space camp grant trying to go for this summer. Really? I'm pretty excited. Colin uh, tipped me off to that. I think, uh, I've, I've applied in the past. I wouldn't hold your breath. I'm working on, I wrote a convincing essay. And, and you've been twice as a kid, so I didn't put I didn't put that him go. I didn't put that in there. Oh, you didn't? No. Because well, then they wouldn't let him go. They wouldn't let me go. Oh. <laughs> if he's already gone, you've been here twice. You don't need to come again. Exactly. I applied a co- I applied a couple times uh, early on in my career. Yeah, they I... said I had you had to be a teacher of fourteen year olds, so I teach fourteen and fifteen year olds. So I called. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. So, yeah, Space Camp still exists. Um, I don't know if it's as popular as it was back in the day. Uh, but it was it was really great. Well, any time you can get a bunch of nerd kids together and let them be their nerdy selves, I think is positive. <laughs> Whether it's Science Olympiad or Space Camp. Um, sort of the consequence-free, bully-free environment where you're free of the older brothers of the world. So you can... <laughs> So when they have a trivia where you're they're answering questions about astronauts and you know that why you know why were there only six Mercury flights if there were seven Mercury astronauts and you can say well Deke Slayton had a heart defect and so they didn't let him go up and you can say that and half the people in the room know the answer and you don't have to be embarrassed that you knew the answer. <laughs> yeah, I knew none of that. Yeah. So yeah. don't feel bad for Deke though. Because he became the guy that assigned all the flights uh, to the other astronauts. And then eventually in the 70s, he was um, an astronaut on the first joint Russian-American uh, space flight. So it was the Apollo-Soyuz mission. Oh. So he did end up getting to go to space. Wow. You do know a lot of interesting information. <laughs> this isn't where I thought this uh, whole podcast was going to go necessarily. What else do you want to know about Deke Slayton? Read his autobiography. <laughs> Got it all. What other actors? Pete Conrad. I got that. Uh, Railing. Jim Lovell. Got it. Must have really, must have really impressed a lot of girls growing up there. Room check. A lot I, of girls. Why do you think I got all the pen pals from Space Camp? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, good wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, so I guess I can say that I'm glad I saw the movie. Finally, but oh, I, I, I think I think I would have been okay having never seen it. <laughs> Not like it was a, but maybe if I'd seen it as a kid, I'd feel differently about it. You know. Right. I mean, is it hard to put yourself in the shoes of a of a seven year old or a ten year old, and you know, and now that you have kids that are starting to watch all these different movies and experience all these things that you did, um, you know, I, I feel this way when I'm watching TV. With with the, with the daughter and she uh, she's just entranced. And I think these shows are just so inane. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're talking to you and then they're waiting for an answer. I'm like, what kids are answering? And there she is answering the questions. <laughs> and like, so it, it's really hard to sort of recapture that. Uh huh. Um, but I think that were were you able to do that with this movie? You know, again, like I I really felt more. I really enjoyed the second part of the movie more than the first part. I just felt like the first part was just like, well, like there's other eighties movies where you see those relationships and all that kind of stuff that I enjoyed a lot more 
than that. But then when they were up in space, that I felt like was, you know, like I, I was getting, I was getting anxious. Like, were they going to notice that she was doing the Morse code? I mean, seriously, like that was getting to me. So I, I, I think I, I definitely clicked more with the second half of the movie than the first half. Yeah. I'll say watching the movie when I was a kid, I always wanted to, uh, that was the first time I ever uh, heard of somebody having a photographic memory and that uh, I wanted that. Like I tried my best to remember things and that was one of the things that I remember like wanting to read up and try to figure out how you could do that or how you could replicate that or to the best of your ability, like actually do that. So I think like as a kid, there's things that you take away that you don't take away as an adult necessarily. Um, well, for me, what really resonated was uh, I want to be the one to open the first fast food franchise in space, not Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that was interesting too, though. The fact that you just brought up Rudy, the fact that he was there and he really enjoyed it and he talked about how he really enjoyed science, but that he was awful at it. Yeah, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah, well, I don't know either. Cause... You realize he was just the black guy. Right. That had nothing but, to do. But, yeah. but, but then he had his little moment to shine when he was like, no, no, it's this is the cable. This is the right one. And he got the right one. Because so, like, he had he been got... studying the manuals and he right. had the witch valve to plug it into. But other than that, for the entire rest of the movie, he had absolutely nothing to do. No, no, he didn't. He was Lando was in Return be... of the Jedi. I definitely thought there was going to be more of a relationship between him and uh, Kevin because it seemed like they were building towards that. I just feel like they didn't have very much time to like build up those characters. Mm -hmm. Like they definitely, it's not just that he's the black guy. You know, he they're all caricatures. They're all just cookie cutter. Things, and that's what I think Emily's pointing out, which is there's way better movies that have done that. And it's almost like that whole first half of the movie doesn't even really need to be there necessarily. You had a lot of characters yeah. in an hour and 40 minutes with a lot of action happening. Oh, I agree. I think that's part of the problem is there was no time to do anything because not only do you have the kids, you've got Andy and Zach. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And you've got the whole jinx talking to the computer at NASA. Like at every moment, there's somebody that you're supposed to care about, you know, interacting. So, right. and it changes from scene to scene. So that's probably where, where the downfall is. They, they really tried to do too much. I mean, this would have made an outstanding television series. Not yeah. with, without the going to space part. Think Saved by the Bell when they're working at the beach, res at the Mr. Croce's resort. Are you with me? I got it. Emily, nothing. No. Mm -mm. Sorry, by the, didn't did really watch Say by the Bell, but go ahead. What? What? You, you haven't, haven't seen? I watched a little, but not that much. Was it on cable or was it on regular no, TV? No, that was on NBC. <laughs> oh. Don't you remember Mr. Belding? His dream was to be the NBC president, but NBC no, president see, Brandon Tartikoff's dream was to be a old. public school no, principal. No, you're not too old. Here's the difference. Emily actually had friends in high school, and I did. Yeah, Emily actually had friends in high school. I did not have friends in high school. She was living Saved by the Bell. No, I really wasn't. I mean, we watched some, but anyway, so I, I don't really gather what you're saying. But, I mean, I can, I can gather what you're saying. I just so, don't so have if you, that if you want, if you wanted the backdrop to be space camp, and all the building all these relationships and all these you know stere you know stereotypes or archetypes whatever you want to call them of teenagers 
and then all the cool things that you get to do at space camp and all the experiences that they get. Um, this would be a great half hour, you know, summer series, you know, 12 episodes or 15 episodes. And every summer they come back to space camp and there's more wacky adventures. And that'd be, I, I, for me, that would be, well, in the eighties, they would have done it as a cartoon, but <laughs> no, not necessarily because I mean, you would have the wacky robot, right? But this would have been like the teen wolf cartoon. Mm, there was a Teen Wolf cartoon. What? You, <laughs> you haven't have seen the Teen Wolf cartoon? God. I was clear. I was too old to be watching the Teen Wolf cartoon, yet I did watch yeah, it. You watched it anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And you married me. <sighs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Thinking. Everybody's seen the Teen Wolf cartoon. No. It invented an extended werewolf family. He had his grandmother, who, who was just permanently stuck being a werewolf. He had, like, some sort of cousin who was just waiting to be a werewolf, but she hadn't turned yet. Was this with Michael J. Fox as the werewolf? Oh, like, wolf? it was someone that sounded kind of like Michael J. Fox. Oh. Really, though. Yeah. Hmm. Not not enough, but just enough that no one really cared. No one cared. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I saw that cartoon. It came out around the same time. 1986, it came out. So, anyways, um, getting back to the movie. So, the... It, you know, you know Andy's not going to die, right? You know they're going to get her back in, but they missed their window. Uh, it was actually kind of a clever twist, that the landing at White Sands. Like, this is an actual thing. This is an actual backup plan. Um, but again, technology gets in the way in that they actually have a landing strip in Florida as well. And that's where they ultimately landed all the space shuttles because it was so expensive to fly them from California to yeah. Florida. Um, but so I, it was kind of, kind of a clever conceit that, oh, by the way, we have this backup landing site, no problem. Um, but was anyone else disappointed that the space shuttle land and then the movie ended? Yes. Was I that... said to Derek, wait, that's it. Mm-hmm. I kind of yeah, forgot. I kind of forgot that's... that was the end. It's kind of a yeah. Tron ending. If you remember Tron, he gets out of the computer, then all of a sudden, Hey, look at that. There's a helicopter on the roof and we're hugging each other. And the movie is over. Just... Yeah, I wanted more. I I wanted I wanted more. You wanted your Star Trek for them being in the middle of the ocean, you know, with the whales. Yeah. Was that the one when they came back and they were like at the same time? They like, came back and they were at the same. They were like in present time. Yes, they were. Yes, eighty San Francisco. Got it. Okay, but yeah, I was I was disappointed at the end. I I, I looked at Derek and I said, "That's it." So yeah, I was. That's how '80s movies end. Well, and and Andy is hurt, and then all of a sudden she's like talking and fine. Like she's what? Got, she got the wind knocked out of her. She's okay. I felt like she was more hurt than that, and then she seemed like she was miraculously fine. Well, it's because uh, was it Tish was ministering to her? No, it wasn't Tish. It was uh, Rudy. Rudy was taking care of her. And Max. Max, Max too. Yeah, Max. Yeah. It, it, it's hard, I will say this, that it's hard to build tension with technology things because nobody's really piloting the shuttle. There's a computer that's piloting the shuttle. What, I mean, what kind of, you know, so they have to build in some kind of tension. Like, you know, the fact that Andy's not piloting the shuttle at the end is because she's hurt. Right. And, yeah, and it was pretty good that they had a test to do that outside of the shuttle so that they needed to go get the oxygen tank. So even though NASA could guide them to the oxygen they still had to physically leave the shuttle and go get it. And How ridiculous was it that she couldn't reach it? 
almost her fingers just there. But I don't, But how would they be able to get it otherwise? They, because... they, they said it was in storage mode. What that means? It was so ridiculous. Well, I told you though, like my issue was the fact that they used Tish's belt, which was apparently ended up being ginormous. That's true. <laughs> like that is not her belt. <laughs> I. It was the eighties. It could have been a very not her long belt. belt. It was not her belt. Maybe she recently lost a lot of weight and did not have time <laughs> to replace that thing. Her like belts. that thing, like wrapped around her though, like four million times. It was pretty bad. Him around Max? You mean not her? Him? Yeah, him. Sorry. It was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just assumed that there was extra belts, like they had extra belts oh. that were also the same style. That well, the had. the award for worst line of the movie though does go to Tom Skerritt when Jinx deciphers the um, Morse code as it's blinking the light, and he and uh, they figure out what Tish is trying to tell them. He looks at Jinx and says, "I'm treating you to a can of oil." And Jinx beeps a lot, like he's happy. <laughs> this is the era of uh, Twinkie. Bitty, bitty, bitty. And R2-D2. I mean, you know, this is this is about right. I mean, that's what we thought robots were going to be like. And, you know, if you're... If I, you were in the... I, I was seven, and I didn't even think that that was when what did, robots would be like. When yeah, did Short Circuit come out? Short Circuit came out at the exact same time. Okay, because that movie I did see. And it's basically the same thing. Well, so I was just wondering, just because the robot aspect. Johnny Five. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it wasn't outlandish for the robot to do that and for him to have human interactions, even though he's a robot. I yeah. feel like that kind of stuff doesn't fly anymore. Although, I did see iRobot, and that was pretty bad, so. Well, that's a whole different story we could talk about, that Asimov wrote those stories to show that robots don't have to be the villain. They can just be a plot point. And then they were the villain. And then they were the villain. <laughs> Pretty amazing. So that's another movie Emily didn't see, by the way. Yeah, we're not yeah. watching that. No, we could read it though. I know she hasn't read it either. That'd be great. Yeah. I, I, tried, I tried to get Jess to read that. She she read like six pages. <laughs> it's great. She didn't it's quite good. get as far in that one as she did in The Hobbit. I think she got about twenty or thirty pages in The Hobbit. And then decided no. Yeah. Mm, sad. I went to, this was while we were still dating, and uh, I went over to her place and I saw the book sitting on her nightstand and it had a, literally a layer of dust on it. <laughs> You're never going to read that, are you? No. no. Is this in the first year when she said she didn't know that you were a nerd? Well, this was after Fellowship of the Ring came out and she went to go see it with me. It was her first time, but I think it was my third time. Wait, you were in college when that movie came out? Yes, you're old. We've established this. <laughs> I had already met Derek when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were old. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just keep digging the hole. It's fine. Yeah. Sorry. We were not old at that point, just to be clear. So anyways, she went to go see it, and uh, she said, I didn't really get it. And she said, maybe I need to read it. So I said, why don't you start with The Hobbit, one more accessible. And uh, yeah. Did you Did you say lines? Along with the movie when you watched The Lord of the Rings? Um, I think I restrained myself. Oh, because Derek didn't. When I made her watch Braveheart, I was doing that, and then she fell asleep. (laughs) No, no, I mean, because Derek has read the the books so many times that we sat there watching the movie, and he was saying the lines with them because he has the book memorized. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. What a 
pretty pathetic. Not not your typical quoting movies like our sons do now, which is ridiculous. But just knowing the exact words from reading it so many times. Why is it? Although you you two, both of you two, have been saying a lot of Max and Jinx forever, or whatever Jinx and whatever it is. Friends forever. Friends okay. forever. Yeah, you guys have been saying that. That was the best part of the movie. Not, the memorable part of the movie. Right. So no, but the first time I saw Lord of the Rings was with Emily, and we were on a uh, pseudo date because we hadn't been dating when we made plans to go with a bunch of people. So we were holding hands underneath the <laughs> seats. Scandalous. So it was. It was you know we were teachers at the same school. We were with a whole group of people. Your hands met in the bucket of popcorn. <laughs> no buckets of popcorn. Edit. Edit. I said um, your hands. I said hands. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> And uh, no, we were with other people. And I mean, you know, they got some parts of the movie that were in the book. And I knew the next line, sure. what it was going to be, because he was being so true to the source material that, uh, you know, I just said it out loud so that she could hear it. And, you know, I figured, <laughs> how do you impress a chick? I mean, that's how you impress them, right? Not, I mean, that's how you got your pen pals. <laughs> that's right. Well, alas, there was no source material for Space Camp. Uh, <laughs> if there was. I would have been all over it. Well, so Emily, this is the this is the time of the show where uh, we ask: Are you glad that you have seen Space Camp? Well, I said earlier that I, I could have gone without it. Yeah, I guess so, but it's not like <gasps> you know. Oh, I want to see it again. I just eh. my sister respects you more now because you've seen it. So there's that. It's 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 not one of those movies that I feel like oh my god i just wasted two hours of my life so, ringing endorsement yeah. check ringing no. that'll go on that'll go on the on the dvd box <laughs> well no, seriously because i feel like that's what derek would say about the royal tenenbaums and he really needs to see that we're working on it yeah it's a good movie i own it is it going to be like the dude because i gotta tell you that's going to be no that's not going to be very good if i have to but do that so. here's the thing about that movie and i know that's not what we're talking about but Without knowing how dysfunctional families are, Derek just doesn't get it. Yeah, neither does Adam. Yeah, but Adam liked it. I liked it. Adam, Adam likes crappy stuff. So, well, thank you, Emily, for guesting. This was a this was a joy. This was a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> this is for something. Us at least. This is something that uh, you now have to convince my wife to do because she hasn't seen things like Star Wars. <laughs> okay, seriously, I can't. I cannot believe that she hasn't seen Star Wars. Nobody can. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Star Trek. Has she seen any of the Star Treks? Hold on. She's shouting from the other room. What was that, Jess? What was it uh, you didn't see? Okay. So she's she's reneging on her previous comment. She said she saw Return of the Jedi in the theater. I still I still maintain that she hasn't seen Star Wars. But How could you see Return of the Jedi and then not want to go she back? She saw Episode 1 with person? me. Yes, I know. She saw Episode 1 with me. I don't think you've seen uh, the original. That's, yeah, Episode 1 is not... Mm. No. Well, we didn't know that at the time, did we? Yes. No. Roger Ebert gave it four stars, as I recall, and that he was after reading his stuff. So, Ugh. no, Jess does need to watch Star Wars. Although, you know, as an adult, not as good as one as, as a kid, but still, no, it's not as good because it's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's awesome. So, okay, yeah. So, I'm glad I saw Space Camp finally. All right. Well, oh, don't... really? So now you're changing your tune after you... just a few minutes ago, even though you had so... criticisms of it. I did have criticisms of it. But I mean, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, I told you, not a waste of time. So do you agree that this is 
maybe not a seminal, but representative of the 80s? No. For you don't me, think no. You don't know, but I'm saying in, in, in the style of cinema, in the stars I mean, that were represented, in the, the Well, see, that's plot. the thing, because you, you keep talking about the stars of the movie. The only one that I knew, really, was Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. Otherwise, I didn't know any of those other people in the movie. Joaquin Phoenix? No. Why would uh, I have known Lee Phoenix? All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Emily. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is the time of the show where if there's anything, any projects you have, anything you want to plug, uh, <laughs> do you blog about French education, the status of foreign language in um, public schools? No, I don't do anything anymore. I just stay home with the kids. <laughs> He's a big advocate for nursing children. I know that's about uh, <laughs> it's about as much as she'd probably plug at this point. Is a leaky boob on Facebook is is about where it goes. So. All right. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Adam. Right. So, Derek. Uh, yeah. While we're discussing the sci-fi triumphs of the '80s, guess uh, who's jumping up and down in the chat room. Oh, is it is it uh, is it Catherine? No, no. Is Leah, it Leah Thompson? It... Catherine? No. <laughs> no, it's I'll, I'll I'll let you I'll let you know. It's uh, our good friend, friend of the show, podcasting's Brock. So <gasps> I've, I've got him on the line. He's like a super celebrity. He is. Brock, are you there? Come in, Brock. Hello. Hello. Hey, oh, what's right. going on? So you were I just listening you were to this? Kidding, by the way, I I had no idea. Oh. Hey, is that Derek? It is. Oh, it Derek. is. Hey, Derek. I was I was in the chat room. I didn't realize you guys were doing something. Uh, I'm oh. surprised you got into the chat room. It's crowded in there. It is crowded. <laughs> but he was listening to us. He was listening to us talk about Space Camp, and he's jumping up and down and said, "How can you talk about Space Camp?" Um, yeah, I mean, I got a Big Mac attack on the moon. Yeah, that Rudy T. Rudy T's. Yeah, you he's, got he's it. Or Brock, you've seen the classics like Last Starfighter, right? Well, Glass Starfighter, of course I've seen The Last Starfighter. And, um, I was really surprised that, that Emily hadn't seen Space Camp. I mean, like, not seeing Space... I mean, it's not like a major classic of the 80s, but, like, it's one of those movies that like, everyone's seen, like Weird Science or The Last Starfighter. Like, you know, it's that kind of movie that people have seen. How can you not have seen Space Camp if you're our age? You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's like not seeing Buckaroo Banzai. I, I've, never, I've never seen Buckaroo Banzai, actually. What? <laughs> what? You, you haven't, haven't seen, seen Buckaroo Banzai? This has been You Haven't Seen, a production of the Robot Warrior Network. Copyright 2020. Please visit RobotWarriorNetwork.com for all of our great shows and media. You can email Adam at RobotWarriorNetwork.com for more information. I'm familiar with editing.